The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. IGN Playlist is a new home to your game library. Rate games, share lists, and log your game time, powered by How Long to Beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special Game Scoop, or Podcast Unlocked, or Podcast Beyond, or Nintendo Voice Chat, whatever you happen to listen to uh, on a week-to-week basis, whatever IGN podcast fits into your gamer life. This has become somewhat of a tradition for us here. At the end of the year, we like to get the hosts of all of our podcasts together to talk out who uh, who had the best year, who had the best, strongest uh, exclusive lineup, who had the most significant hardware changes. We'll take a little bit of a look into the new year in 2022 and see who has the most promising game lineup on the horizon. So, I'm Damon Hatfield. I'm host of uh, IGN Podcast Game Scoop. I'm joined today by Ryan McCaffrey, host of Podcast Unlocked. The heads of the four families, Damon. That's right. We, we meet once a year. That's exactly right. Seth Macy, host of Nintendo Voice Chat, is here. Welcome, Super Ninfrendos. Hello. Say that. Contractually obligated. Contractually obligated. And Jonathan Dornbush, host of Podcast Beyond. Beyond, also contractually obligated to say that. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> all right, it's good to see you all. Let's try to keep things civil, everybody. Ooh. Let's try to keep things friendly here. I know the console wars are just raging as ever, um, but you know we'll, we'll, we'll try to, to be professional here. Let's just let's just have a casual chat about the year twenty twenty one. Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, what, 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 what happened? What were the games that were released? What were the missteps? Let's try, let's try to take um, stock of it all. Maybe we'll start with PlayStation and the PlayStation 5. A year old now, a year into its life, Jonathan. Still hard to find, as I think all hardware is these days. Mm-hmm. Let's begin with the exclusives. Yeah. Mm, how were the PS5 exclusives this year? Tell me if I've missed anything. Returnal, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart, Deathloop, Destruction All-Stars, Kena, Bridge of Spirits. Anything, anything notable that I, I missed there? Um, a few other on the the indie level, sort of, uh, you know, I don't think anything quite got the promotion that Kena did this year from PlayStation in particular, but things like uh, Solar Ash were also exclusive this year and, and a few other indies throughout the year. There were some, some really solid ones that I think helped keep the release cycle going, uh, even as people, you know, obviously focused on whatever was sort of the triple a thing next to to come up on the on the list but yeah that that's the that's the year largely from from a big picture view and 
you know, especially at least for me in terms of PlayStation compared to the launcher of the PS4, uh, I think it's a pretty solid first year for a console. You know, the PS4 really after launch only had infamous second son there were a couple others in there i think uh, drive club and and obviously mlb the show when it was exclusive was in there but uh well you know launch knack uh but yeah other than that we uh i i think this year overall has been pretty solid also for sort of setting the stage for what's to come for the ps5 i think it's been pretty good in that regard um and, and yeah overall i'm i'm really happy with these you know i reviewed ration clank really really loved it gave it a nine uh, Returnal, I absolutely adore. It's it's risen up my game of the year list as I went back to it and continue to play it. Uh, Deathloop is obviously phenomenal in its own right, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's published by Microsoft. I think we can mm-hmm. all agree. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's been a, a pretty, pretty solid year overall for PlayStation. Yeah, Deathloop got a 10 out of 10 uh, from IGN. Yeah. Uh, one of the few games that did this year. Ryan, you played Deathloop, right? I played the good... About six. I never didn't end up finishing yeah. it, or I haven't. You finished previewed it, yet, it right? right? Yes, well, I have uh, yeah. put in a good chunk of time. I'm still looping. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's just interesting because the way this this business deal shook out that that is a ten out of ten that went to Microsoft, right? Yeah, uh, and not yeah. the only <laughs> Microsoft published game that was outstanding this year as well. Psychonauts yeah. two, multi platform. Yeah, yeah. So that one counts as well. Yeah. We can only um, hope uh, Ghostwire also reviews very well in, in that sort of I mean, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. sure. Um, I don't know. So h- how do you think this would compare to some other years for, for Sony exclusives, Jonathan? I mean, obviously, people like Returnal a lot, but it's a, I think it appeals a little bit more niche uh, just because it's a very, very hardcore, challenging game. Maybe not for everyone. Ratchet & Clank, super great. Um, but, you know, Destruction All-Stars didn't make too much of a splash. A lot of people that played Kena liked it. Um, but I think the buzz is a little bit quieter over that, although it did win Indie Game of the Year, I guess, at the Game Awards. Um, but there's nothing like, there's not an Uncharted or a, a God of War or a Last of Us. Not like an, a mature AAA single-player story-driven game this year, right? No, there wasn't one of those this year, and that's partially because I think a lot of the ones we were hoping for this year got delayed till next year. Obviously, Horizon Mm -hmm. Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok, before they had names, uh, were supposed to come out in 2021. You know, the the pandemic and and, uh, production delays and and all those sorts of things pushed those games to 2022, and I'm glad they're they're giving those teams that time. And, and, And that further sets up 2022 to, I think, be the year... We hoped 2021 may be. Uh, you know, I think it's a it's it's kind of hard for every year to be 2018 when you get God of War and Spider Man in the same year, or 2020 yeah. when you get The Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima in the in the same year. Obviously, you have different years and different paces of things. 2019 was a little bit down, even though there were some really great gems in that year, like Concrete Genie and Dreams. Uh, and so you get these up and down years. And so for me, this being I guess, a quote-unquote down year comparatively uh, without sort of one of those marquee third-person action games. I'm still very, very pleased by what we had this year. Like, in, in, in my book, it's not necessarily a down year. It just didn't have that, I think, you know, top-line sort of mm-hmm. billing that you expect from a PlayStation game. But I think Ratchet & Clank finally got its due as a result. Uh, that's a series I've loved since the beginning and has always flown a little bit under the radar, especially as mascot platformer started to fall out of fashion. And so to mm-hmm. see that one get a lot of love this year was very, very happy for me to see. Obviously, 
Housemark Returnal was a little bit more niche, but it was good enough for Sony to want to buy Housemark. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm happy with that one as well. Uh, Destruction All-Stars was, I think, maybe the, the biggest miss of the year. It didn't quite land. There were definitely some solid gameplay mechanics there. And, you know, the current rumors are that those devs may be working on a Twisted Metal game sort of in conjunction with the TV show in the works. And I do think they they very much clearly knew Lucid Games, you know, how to make car combat work. It was just sort of the the progression of that game and the the incentive to keep you playing and, and the things all around essentially getting you into the reasons for playing that didn't quite work as well. And so hopefully with some refinement, they can get to a better version of that with Twisted Metal. But yeah, you know, to your point, there was no God of War. There was no Horizon. We're, we're getting all that stuff next year, but in yeah. my book, it was still a pretty good year. And um, Sony has been releasing PS5 versions of some of its last-gen games. We got PS5 versions of both God of War and Ghost of Tsushima, which I took that opportunity to replay both of those games, uh, as excellent as they are. Is, do you feel like this is a a good strategy to sort of you know uh, give players a reason to revisit these these excellent excellent games, Jonathan? Or would you rather they focus more on new games for PS5? I mean, and and this is something I think we can talk about because I know you you want to talk about a certain op-ed I wrote earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's it's a smart strategy, especially at the beginning of a generation and a generation plagued by the pandemic and and things you know uh, causing just natural delays across the board. So I think this is a very smart path, and they've also taken different paths. Like those those two games you mentioned, God of War was just sort of an upgrade patch that went to all of people who who have the game. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a PS5 version, whereas Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding got dedicated PS5 quote-unquote director's cuts and, and had more uh, larger expansions added to them as well. So you're getting the sort of middle ground of things. To me, it's not that different from what Nintendo's been doing with the Switch. You know, they had all those great games on the Wii U, but no one bought a Wii U, so they're putting them on, on the Switch, whereas sure. obviously a lot of people <laughs> had a PS4, but... Uh, they still know that only a small portion of the overall PS4 library uh, ownership, excuse me, bought those games. So getting people mm-hmm. a, a second chance at those games on newer hardware just makes sense, especially when your biggest titles do get delayed. Mm-hmm. Okay, you mentioned your op-ed. In April, you wrote an op-ed uh, titled PlayStation's Focus on Too Big to Fail Games is Concerning. Uh, recap for us what that was all about, and, 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 and I guess let us know if you if you still feel the same way today. Yeah, so that uh, was originally based on a Bloomberg report that came out earlier this year that was sort of talking about uh, it, the feeling that PlayStation was uh, allegedly in- internally only really doubling down on the franchises that worked and really focusing on just making those big, as you were saying, mature blockbuster AAA action games the focus of their entire brand and how that leads to very long d- development cycles, big crunch uh, potential there, not a lot of ability to innovate in in new ideas. IPs or new things like that. And it it was worrying to a certain extent if that was the path we were going down. And one of the examples uh, given in that article was the still unconfirmed The Last of Us remake that apparently was being done at a new studio, a a sort of team that was incubating and using this project to prove itself. That didn't quite work. It was moved allegedly to Naughty Dog internally. Uh, Some changing hands for a new Uncharted project were also mentioned there. And it was sort of like, well, where, where are the new IP? Where are the ways you get Uncharted and you get God of War? Uh, you know, obviously we got Horizon and Ghost of Tsushima last gen, but if they're just going to double down, where's the new stuff? And mm-hmm. I I would say the moves PlayStation has been making this year make me feel 
not that they're they are still going to double down on those things i think absolutely without a doubt they're going to continue to make those the cornerstone of playstation but i think a lot of the acquisitions they've made are helping to ensure that those games run a little bit more smoothly in the development process uh you know even just a for example most recently uh, the most recent acquisition they did was, uh, you know, the week before recording this, Valkyrie Entertainment, which is probably not a name most people know, but they're a studio that's helped in development on a lot of games, including God of War and God of War Ragnarok. So bringing a team like that, bringing in a team like Nix's Software, which has helped a lot on Square Enix games and, you know, now will help PlayStation internally, gives those teams the direct access and direct tools to PlayStation's development pipeline where they share all of their, you know ideas and concepts and, and and technology and to have them just internally help with production of these big games will go i think a lot a long way to making production a little bit more smooth but then you also see things like fire sprite being acquired housemark and and bluepoint and bluepoint's working on a new game not just remakes anymore and i think you hire those three studios they've said fire sprite is going to be making their original games still they're not just going to be support studios to to other existing studios i think playstation wants those teams to make original new ip to work on maybe new franchises that they're just starting like returnal things like that and so i'm i'm a little more in a place where i think we're going to see a balance of both currently mm. Okay. All right, Ryan, we are going to talk about Xbox and Xbox games in just a bit. But first, what's sort of your assessment of, of the PlayStation 5's exclusive lineup this year? Well, I mean, it's it's solid, but yeah, it, it, they didn't have the the must-play, like, game of the year contending. Uh, not No disrespect to Returnal and Ratchet. Ratchet actually was my vote for game of the year up until the end mm -hmm. of the year. But yeah, they, there wasn't quite that, like, game that captures the entire mind space mm -hmm. of the core gamer industry mm -hmm. uh but they you know they, they continue to to pump out great exclusives you know some smaller scale some bigger scale uh and and they're going to continue to be extremely well positioned in the console industry as long as they keep doing that i mean it's it's just incredible like you look back i mean i think jonathan it's fair to say right that even the beginning of the ps4 generation they hadn't really reached that reputation yet you know they yeah. had good stuff but it, it was really they you know they'd started off poorly in the the ps3 era uh in terms in terms of everything in the same way that microsoft started <laughs> off very poorly in the xbox one era but then over time you know kind of built their way back up and and then at the beginning of the ps4 like yeah there was like you know there was uh um a few exclusives in the beginning uh kill zone there's you know a few things but then then it seems like everything just kind of clicked into place with a bunch of studios at once, like all the work they'd been doing and they've just, it's snowballed and they've kept going ever since. So you, you just have to continue to tip your cap to Sony and the, and the fantastic lineup of exclusives they've continued to put out year after year. Yeah. I mean, uh, to, to your point, the, the PS3, they really stumbled out the gate there, obviously, and, and started to figure out what their voice would be with things like Uncharted doing well and Infamous right. doing well and stuff like that. But as you said, like the PS4 started out pretty quietly. And I think all these acquisitions this year, you know, the PS4 had an incredible amount of games, but you look at Naughty Dog and in the life of the PS3, they did three Uncharted's and The Last of Us. In the life of the PS4, they did Uncharted 4, The Last of Us Part 2, and Lost Legacy, which admittedly was a smaller game. I think they want those big studios to be able to get back a little bit to that pace. 
yeah. uh, and put out that stuff because yeah, I, you know, Sony Santa Monica God of War is I think my favorite game of all time and I adored it. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy I got game of the year. That was the one game they were able to put out during that generation. And so I think PlayStation probably wants a bit of a faster pace as we get into this new gen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw what ha- we saw that sort of IP stagnation. I mean, there were other factors too, but with Microsoft where they yeah. they they became the oh, you're the Halo Forts of Fable thing. That's all you guys <laughs> do and that kind of was all they did for a while, but yeah, it's so I, you know, I, I certainly agreed in spirit with your op-ed earlier this year. You you didn't want to see PlayStation just become this predictable, you know, Last of Us, Spider-Man, God of War machine <laughs> that was just going to pump those three things out in alternate years. And so, uh, you know, hopefully they will continue to invest in new IP with these new acquisitions. Yeah. And Seth, from a, from a Nintendo standpoint, how would you assess uh, the PlayStation's exclusive lineup this year? Uh, I mean, it'll make a lot of people mad when I say that the most Ooh. use I've given my PlayStation 5 is to watch 4K Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, let me say, the PS5 future is extraordinarily bright. And I'm not going to say that it's it's something that Sony like made a bad decision everybody was kind of screwed over for the pandemic and especially like making these gigantic games that require hundreds, if not thousands of moving parts to come together. I would say that the PlayStation five is a little bit ahead, a little bit of a down year for exclusives, but the good news is most people can't get a PlayStation five anyway. So next year (laughs) will be much, much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Hardware updates for the PS5 this year, Jonathan, is, is um, we, we got the ability to uh, upgrade and expand the uh, SSD. Is that right? Yeah, that's definitely probably the biggest thing on the hardware side. And I'm sure Seth can speak to, you know, the, the commerce team and, and everything that was needed to make sure people knew what were the best for uh, SSDs to buy and, and heat sink or not to heat sink as the big question seems to be. Um, but yeah, that, that was definitely one of the biggest ones. We saw some other UI updates and things like that. Uh, you know, PlayStation took the opposite approach of Xbox this generation, where they completely revamped their UI, whereas Xbox uniformed the, the UI with the last gen and, re- and really brought everything together cohesively. This time, everything was new, but so we were getting problems that didn't need to happen, like for for those among us who are trophy hunters, a very bad way to sort through trophies and things like that. They they fixed stuff like that, but there's there's still work to be done there for sure. Uh, but yeah, and then of course we're continuing to get a few new. DualSense colors, uh, Pulse 3D headset colors. We just saw that they're actually going to be uh, selling faceplates for the mm-hmm. PlayStation. We're back in the 360 era. Uh, we're, we're getting faceplates for our consoles, so that's that's fun to see. But yeah, I'm glad I won't have to buy a special edition PS5 just to get a different color <laughs> if I want. Yeah, the faceplates thing didn't really end up going so well for Microsoft. What? Nobody no. ended up really buying them. I have like 12 in my closet. They're yeah. going to be great. <laughs> they totally, it totally fizzled out, though. Oh, it was yeah, like this yeah. big idea at the beginning, and it didn't really amount to what I think they thought it would. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think... Go ahead. I was just going to say, the, the remodel of the 360 didn't even support them. That's right. right. Got rid of them. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the PS5 uh, faceplate thing, and, and I don't think we're going to get a ton of them. I don't think it's going to be a thing they market out to everyone, but I think it's more of a, like, people are already modding these things, and obviously there have been third parties selling them, so Sony was probably just like, why don't we just make this money? And I think that's right. kind of mm-hmm. where we're at. Yeah. And then looking ahead to 2022, you know, obviously 2022 is a moving target, but man, Jonathan, if all these games come out next year that are supposed to come out, we get Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, 
Ghostwire Tokyo and Forspoken from Square Enix. Um, man, that's going to be a really, really big year for Sony. Much bigger than this year, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in terms of, I, I think the thing to say before any PlayStation fan gets mad, obviously, you know, we're, we're saying a down year for PlayStation. There were a lot of great games for PlayStation this year, but when you're, as you were saying, Damon, talking about the, like, marquee AAA things that people sort of expect, Horizon and God of War in the same year, along with their mainstay Gran Turismo, is just a phenomenal potential year. And then, yeah, as you said, uh, third-party exclusives like Ghostwire, Forspoken, things we probably don't even know about, um, indies yeah. like Stray from from Annapurna. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of potential for next year uh, to make it just just a huge one, uh, and I and I can't wait. Even if I, I wonder how I'm going to fit all those games in in a calendar year. But yeah, it's it's going to be big. And then stuff like we don't even know when and where we'll see final fantasy 16 again and you mm-hmm. know some other stuff so it it's already looking like a big year and could be potentially even bigger okay let's shift our focus to xbox now ryan in um at e3 this year you wrote, you wrote an op-ed proclaiming xbox's game drought was officially over yes you still feel the same way absolutely yeah and this fall has Mm. Only back that up, and uh, it, it's. I think we're finally done with with just Xbox has crawling no through the desert, just <laughs> dying of thirst, trying to get to some sip of water uh, when it comes to exclusive games. Yeah, it's Xbox is like the divorced dad who totally just like got in shape this year, started eating right, <laughs> yeah. regained the self confidence, and just mm. like came. And now is at the Christmas party, like, what's up, everybody? Ooh. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Woo! And yeah, it's just so great to see after, you know, the last seven Christmas parties, Xbox was kind of like just the depressed, divorced dad sat in the corner that nobody wanted to, to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. I, you know, like most people, I spent all last gen playing my PlayStation and hardly ever turned on my Xbox One. But since Deathloop came out in September and I finished that, I have... I have to be honest, I have not turned on my PlayStation 5 since then. Uh, I've been playing the incredible one-two punch this fall of both Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite back-to-back. Yes. And it's just really interesting that uh, Sony's just been really quiet this this fall season. And I know, as we've talked before, Jonathan, that traditionally Sony doesn't always have a big holiday release. But two huge releases from Xbox has really allowed them to kind of dominate the conversation this fall. And I also played third-party stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy on my Xbox. So. Oh, and Far Cry 6. Anyway, let's talk about these two games. Ryan, Forza, yes, Horizon 5, IGN's Game of the Year. Thank God. Yeah, it's so deserving. <laughs> like, I've been beating the drum. Not the only one. Per Schneider, our co-founder, uh, Luke Riley, our racing game guru out of Australia. Forza Horizon has been a Game of the Year-worthy series for a while, but it's carried that stigma of just like a racing game winning game of the year. Like, no, yeah. it's time. It's, it's, I've said this before. I've parsed this on unlock. I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but to me, uh, Forza Horizon 5, it's not so much a racing game. I mean, it is, but it is a driving game. And I think mm-hmm. there is a significant difference there. It's if you have any love for cars, enthusiasm for cars, Forza Horizon captures that in a way that a traditional racing game like Forza Motorsport, which is focused in on hardcore simulation racing and getting your tire pressures right. And like that's for a certain audience. And it does an amazing job at that as Gran Turismo has done over the years as well. 
But Horizon is just so approachable. It's there's fun, like to use a bad road pun. There's fun around every corner, but it's actually true. It's not just a bad pun. They're, they're, the you're in a as always a beautiful place, a fictionalized version of Mexico. Uh, there are social elements if you want them, or you can just cruise around listening to all the cool radio stations if you want to. To me, Forza Horizon as a series, and this certainly applies to Forza Horizon Five specifically. I've said this before. I, Forza Horizon is a perfect 72 degree breezy summer day in video game form. Like there's just nothing unpleasant about it. It's unendingly joyous. And I'm so happy that we finally got enough people on staff to play it and see that. (laughs) And it's our game of the year and it, and it playground games. What a well-earned congratulations to them. It's just fantastic. And it's, and now with game pass being bigger and bigger too, I think that's helped a lot with just getting more people to check it out, to give it a try. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I count myself among the converted. I've never played a Forza game before. I don't play racing games or driving games, and I don't even particularly care about cars. But (laughs) as you say, it's just, it's, it's, (laughs) it's, um, someone else mentioned, it's more like Tony Hawk. It's more like a Tony Hawk game where you like, yeah, that's fair. It's just fun to traverse the environment and drive around and complete uh, the, dozens hundreds of objectives and find all the collectibles it's like you know i love open world games and it it definitely like satisfies what i like about exploring an open world just i'm in a car it's also probably the best looking game on the series x so far Mm -hmm. which uh which certainly doesn't hurt it's it's initial appeal yeah yeah and I, I host a segment, a recurring segment on GameScoop called Game of the Year Watch, where every three months we take stock of what are the best reviewed games of the year so far and what's likely to be in the Game of the Year discussion at the end of the year. And I've been on, I've been on the record many times saying, well, this is a, dry, this is a racing game, so obviously it's not going to be in the discussion. For, <laughs> but I, I'm happy to be proven wrong, because when you look at, we've been giving out Game of the Year awards for 20 years now, and the first award went to Halo, uh, the original Halo, twenty years ago. This Forza is the only racing game we've ever given, or only car game, driving game, yeah. whatever you want to call it, to ever get, receive a Game of the Year award. Well, it's deserving. It, I think it's the best car game of at least the last five to ten years, if not yeah. more. Uh, period. I mean, you know, not that Forza Motorsport hasn't been great, not that F one hasn't been excellent, not that Gran mm-hmm. Turismo. Uh, what I guess GT Sport was the last one. Not that that's yeah. not excellent, but Horizon is just, yeah, it's just too good. It's so good. And then, you know, if, to to continue the boxing analogy, if, if Forza was the blow that, uh, you know, dizzied, dizzied Xbox's uh, opponents, Halo Infinite is just the, the knockout, the knockout punch. The multiplayer was sort of surprise, in quotes, launched to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Xbox. And then when uh, the single player finally arrived too, Ryan, you reviewed it, gave it a nine. And despite all of this sort of turmoil that game appears to have gone through in development, they landed it. They landed it. It's, uh, I, I've said this on Unlock, but I, I was as happy as, or I was as relieved as I was happy when I finally played and finished yeah. the Halo Infinite campaign. Because as you noted, Damon, yeah, it's, this game has, publicly been through a lot. Now, video game development is extremely hard. We mm-hmm. as media covering it, we only get little windows into the the challenge of making a video game uh, from time to time in our line of work. But so I don't pretend to have the full scale of just how difficult any game was, particularly Halo Infinite. But yeah, publicly, 
this game went through a lot. So just what we saw was mm-hmm. a lot, but they did it. I mean, it's the, the gameplay is sublime. I mean, it's, it's absolutely sublime. The, the, the weapons, you know, the, just that holy halo trinity of, you know, guns, grenades, melee with mm-hmm. the vehicles mixed in, uh, the equipment kind of coming back, the idea of equipment from Halo 3 coming back, you know, led by the grapple shot, grappling hook here in Halo mm-hmm. Infinite. And it just traversing this this open Zeta Halo ring is so much fun and sort of creating your own uh, just bespoke combat encounters is so much fun and doing all the open world activities to unlock these valor points, which would let you unlock, you could call in any vehicle you want as you, 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 you unlock more vehicles as you earn more valor. So then you could say, all right, well, there's this high value target over here. Oh my, oh man, pair of hunters, like extra tough hunters. And they're surrounded by a giant group of reinforcements. Well, let's see, what do I want to do here? Do I want to go, I'll go back to the fob. Do I want to call in a warthog and load it up with Marines and just go in and start tearing around and, and seeing how many we can take out? Or do you do what I ended up doing in that particular high value target scenario? Uh, I went back to the fob and ordered in a scorpion tank because I had enough valor to have unlocked the tank. And then I just slowly rolled it at its very low top speed down just all the way back to up on the hillside where these, these uh, hunters were and all their buddies and I just started annihilating them with the Scorpion Tanks turret. And it's it's just a blast. Uh, pardon the phrasing there. But yeah, it, they did it. I mean, I'm so happy. 343, you know, I think Halo 4's campaign was phenomenal. I rated it extremely highly for IGN. The multiplayer wasn't quite there. They were sort of chasing the Call of Duty dragon, I think, a little bit with, with 343's first multiplayer attempt. Halo 5 had uh, an awful single-player campaign by Halo standards, but a tremendous multiplayer campaign. Master Chief Collection comes out as this attempt at nostalgia and just face plants with unending technical errors. But years later, they finally fix that. But here we go now. Infinite finally unites a great single-player and a great multiplayer under one roof. So, I mean, 343 just deserves... A ton of credit for the perseverance and the the effort and, and the talent that they have shown to to pull this off. I'm I'm so happy for them and for just for us Halo fans too because mm. I, if this didn't work, yeah, I mean I'm not sure that Halo would be a big deal anymore. Not that Halo was going to just end tomorrow, but I don't know if you know if after again after those things after uh, multiplayer in four and oh the Master Chief Collection launch and oh the campaign in five. If Infinite had fallen short, I'm not sure if we would have ever looked at Halo as a top tier thing anymore. It would yeah. just been, like, oh yeah, yeah, Halo, it's okay, cool, it's fine. But now Halo's back, and I'm thrilled. Yeah. It was never a sure thing. Halo's a 20 year old shooter franchise, and then uh, you know, in the days of Call of Duty dropping a campaign and Battlefield doing the same thing, and then the rise of just multiplayer only battle right. royale games, it was never a sure thing that Halo was still going to be relevant. But and stuff like Destiny as well, you know, and Destiny as well, Overwatch, that sort of thing. Uh, Seth, is Halo yes. Infinite getting much play in your household? It's yeah, it's all that my kids. I actually have not had a chance to play this game. Mm. I because my kids have taken over the Xbox because they love Halo so much. But I remember watching my youngest son, he was playing through a segment and 
he, you know, he finished. I don't know what the segment was, but he leaned back. He just put the controller down. And he leaned back and he just exhaled. And I said, what's, what's going on, buddy? Because this, this might be the bit, the best game I've ever played in my life. Oh, I um, love hearing that. Yeah. Uh, that warms my heart to hear that. He and loves he, it. you know, he, he records all like everything and he shows me segments and he showed me one. I think it's the opening cinematic where, um, you know, chief is like floating through space and there's just like carnage everywhere. And there's the dead space Marines. And there was this moment where he sort of, where chief looks at this space Marine with a sort of reverence. And, and even though there's no expression there, you can see that there's a sadness that he has where he takes a second before he grabs the assault rifle. I thought, yeah, he like, how did he they like make gently, this? he's like very yeah. respectful to the, there's this super humanizing moment yeah. in halo that I definitely did not expect. And like actually really touched me. And I mean, you know, my son was like, Oh yeah, you got to see this. He's like, the whole game is like that, but no, I haven't played it. And I also, he, he has done all his progress on the multiplayer <clears throat> on my profile. So now I can't, I can never, I can never, basically I can never play halo. So just please tell me how good it is. And you know, send me, send me your, your condolences. Well, it is very good, but Halo and Forza weren't even the only games that uh, Microsoft released this year. Of course, they also did Psychonauts 2, which was a cross-platform yes. game, but phenomenal. Might be my personal game of the year. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it so, so much. It's so clever, uh, so imaginative. You're never doing the same thing from, from one five minutes to the next. Flight Simulator, 10 out of 10 game oh, from Seth Mason. Seth. Right. Came to Love console this year. Simulator. Um, and then early in the year, we got stuff like uh, The Medium, The Ascent, 12 Minutes. And that's not to mention stuff that just came to Game Pass, you know, day one, like uh, Backford Blood launched into yeah. Game Pass. MLB, MLB The Show. The Show, former, oh, yeah. former PlayStation exclusive franchise, launched into Game Pass. They added 20 Bethesda games uh, one day earlier in the year, just out of nowhere. So Outriders was another one that Outriders, popped off yeah. day oh, yeah. one on Game Pass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, Death's Door was a really highly regarded uh, yeah. timed exclusive. Xbox got that first. Yep. Yeah. So, man, Ryan, best year for Xbox in a very long time, if not ever? I won't go so far as to say ever. I mean, you know, there are definitely some 360 years like 2007 with Mass Effect and Halo mm -hmm. 3 and Rock Band. I mean, Rock Band wasn't exclusive. But their uh, Bioshock was that year. But That's right. yeah, in a long time, <laughs> unquestionably in a long time. I mean, it's uh, it it feels so. This is what it's like. This is what it feels like to be a PlayStation gamer. It's basically what <laughs> Xbox fans finally got to feel in 2021. And as I said in my op-ed, yeah, I think the drought's over. Not that there won't be, you know, maybe some slower years from time to time. And in, in the way we just talked about with PlayStation this year, I mean, they still had. Uh, you know ratchet which ratchet's a 10 for me i mean it's uh that that game was amazing but yeah i mean next year well i guess we'll get to next year in a second damon but yeah it's yeah. uh it it was such a great year and and really it, it wasn't super backloaded like it was reasonably spread out like uh you know the ascent and 12 minutes which you know were smaller scale like indie exclusives but those were very good games those were in the summer uh, and then sort of we had Psychonauts after that. You mentioned the Medium, which was a, you know, a good, good game. I wouldn't necessarily call it like an amazing game. But that was uh, that was actually the first Series X exclusive that just wasn't out right. on Xbox One. Uh, that was early in the year. And so, we, you know, we had a nice cadence all year long uh, of we never went more than like two or three months without some kind of Xbox exclusive this year. Mm -hmm. So, Jonathan, what do you think? Do you think Xbox had a stronger year than PlayStation this year? 
Damon, you know I could never say that. In, no, I mean, it's it's been a phenomenal year. I've played, um, since the Halo multiplayer came out, I've played at least probably 30 hours or so of it. Um, as hard as it may be for some to believe, before I, you know, hosted a PlayStation show, I played a ton of my original Xbox and Xbox 360. Halo 2 and 3 are some of my most played games of all time. And so I'm really excited by this. Like, in... in all honesty, when both are doing well, it just encourages both to do even better. And so to see Xbox have a year like this, I mean, you know, just to go back to the PlayStation conversation, all due respect to, you know, I think the work that Xbox has been doing, especially led by Phil Spencer over the last few years, I think if Xbox had a year like PlayStation has had right now during the Xbox One generation, we would have been very, very happy for Xbox. Like, I do think yeah. this was still a very good year for the PlayStation. It just wasn't the year that had a Halo or a Forza. We'll probably get mm. those next year on the, the PlayStation side. So, you know, to have Xbox Xbox have this moment to have it really double down on that moment and do so so well just gets this generation off to such a more exciting start across the board because as as Ryan was saying it's not going to suddenly stop we're not going to just suddenly have to wait six more years for Xbox to have potentially another good game mm -hmm. and so to have both of them working like this to have Halo be at the top again as it you know it was so long ago. I'm I'm so happy as a huge Halo fan. Uh, I've been loving Forza Horizon Five. Uh, I'm a, I'm the biggest Double Fine fan, probably second to Ryan and and probably even you, Damon. So forgive me, but I'm I'm so happy to see Psychonauts Two also doing so well and and the future for them. It's it's awesome. It is great to see, and I think getting both in a great place for the beginning of the generation. Like, both have done very well at the start of the generation. I think Xbox has just had a better year from a sort of, like, promotional and, and release standpoint. But I think seeing where both are starting, man, this is going to be a good generation if this is just the start. <clears throat> so, looking ahead into next year, Ryan. Yes. Xbox might not have as many <clears throat> big exclusives that we know of yet coming next year, but they right. might have the biggest game. Uh, I assume you're talking about Starfield. I'm talking about Starfield, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think people generally, I think there's still uh, not quite the realization of what's coming with Starfield. This is mm -hmm. the first new IP, new creation from Todd Howard and the, and the team at Bethesda Game Studios, the people that bring you Elder Scrolls and Fallout. This is a new science fiction, you know, role-playing game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this this could be, I, I mean, I, and I think it very much will be a massive game if indeed it ships this fall. Now, I have said to, <laughs> I visited Todd Howard to interview him about a month ago for uh, for Skyrim's 10th anniversary. I went, I flew out to Bethesda to see him because uh, I, I just, I'm so sick of doing screen interviews that I was like, right. forget it, I'll just, I'll just fly out. And it was so much better face to face. But and, and I told him to his face like off air. I was like, I don't believe you when you say that this game is coming on November 11th, 2022. Like if, if it does, he'll have called his shot Babe Ruth style a year and a half out, which yeah. in this climate, as, as we've already talked about with the pandemic and the challenges of work from home production. I will be shocked and amazed if it does make that date and thus, I mean, if it slips, it's obviously almost certainly going to slip into 2023. So, but for the moment, we have to hold them to it and say, that's all right. That's when it's coming is 11, 11, 22. And if it lands, uh, yeah, it, that, that game's going to be a big, 
big deal. It's just, and it's, we know it's almost certainly going to be a, you know, hundred hour, just almost endlessly yeah. playable open ro- world role-playing game, open universe role-playing game. Yeah. yeah it's uh, I am so excited for that game. And in addition to that, we also sp- supposedly have Redfall, and then in the spring, kind of a, more of a sleeper game, Stalker 2. Yes. Oh, well, Stalker 2, I don't even know if you'd call that a sleeper, because we've had a couple of little exclusives on that on IGN, plus the their big E3 gameplay showcase. And the IGN audience, man, every Stalker thing we've put up does millions of views. So I, I think maybe, like, marketing-wise... Uh, I would agree with you that it's not like a household name yet, but I think the core gaming community knows what's up with with Stalker Two, and it's it's a high value, per, you know, high production, triple A single player first person shooter, and that's yeah, that could be a real big one for Xbox in twenty twenty two. Anything other than those three that I'm missing, Ryan? That we yeah, know not, of today? those are the three big ones that we know of, as you said, because yeah. uh, you know the 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 thing with Xbox is, you know, we saw in 2020 over the summer that they kind of had to show their hand early. You know, they were in this position of having to fight the uphill battle against, you know, trying to let everybody know that, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're coming back, really. We bought all these studios and really we have lots of games. And they had to go and announce a ton of those early, like, you know, f- the Fable reboot from Playground, uh, the Forza Motorsport getting a, a next gen reboot from Turn 10 on the you know sort of simulation racing side uh, you have avowed is a big one from mm-hmm. uh, from obsidian that's going to be a first person open world you know um role playing game in the vein of what we've seen from obsidian before with stuff like outer worlds and fallout new vegas so there's there is a lot uh that's that's known but seems to be further out than 2022 so yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure those it's not just going to be those 3 in 2022 for, for Xbox slash Bethesda. But uh, that is, those are the big three we know of at the moment. And finally, we turn our attention to Nintendo, who uh, for so long now has just kind of just been doing its own thing and finding uh, a lot of success in doing that. And uh, Seth, I think, uh, I wonder if you'll agree with me, I think with Nintendo and Switch had a very, very strong year. Again, their list of exclusives, yep. uh, Metroid Dread, New Pokemon Snap, Skyward Sword HD, Mario Golf, Mario Party Superstars, 3D World, Bowser's Fury. Uh, I, I think, I think they're, just, they're just continuing yeah. a, a great wave of success with the Switch. Do you agree? Yes, I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And don't forget, they had Pokemon that some mm. people we're happy about yeah. <laughs> uh, a remake of that but yeah it was uh it was a solid nintendo year because that's what nintendo does but i will say mm. as great of a year as it was and as great as metroid dread sort of was as their flagship game for the year which i love and it was probably my game of the year mm. metroid dread feels kind of like the scotty pippen like there <laughs> i feel like there should have been a michael jordan this year ah uh, okay wasn't. There was there was like Metroid Dread is phenomenal and amazing, but it feels like it maybe wasn't the big game that that, you know, I mean, it's Metroid. like, a, like a Breath of the Wild, too, right? Like a Breath of the Wild, too. Exactly. So you're saying it was like 95 after between Jordan retirements where Scotty's the <laughs> elevated to the to the number yes. one guy. And it that just, is you know. exactly it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, if second round of the playoffs and they get bounced out. 
Yeah. And then you're just happy. You're like, well, you know, there's always next year, but you know, we'll get to that. But next year is looking pretty, pretty solid. But yeah, no, I think it was a great year and I have nothing to complain about. I know that the pandemic had a, a huge effect on Nintendo. Pear was telling us about on NBC about how, uh, you know, uh, Nintendo was just not equipped to do work from home because the dev kits they actually hire oh. master uh, carpenters to nail the dev kits to the desks. Like they don't, they're so, that's not true. But they are so secretive <laughs> that their 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 dev kits are actually attached to their desk. They can't take them home like that. So it was a huge cultural shift, corporate cultural shift for Nintendo to have to adapt to the pandemic, you know, work style. And we got some fantastic games, but it also pushed a lot of games into the future. But I'm stoked we got Dread. I had no uh uh idea that this game was going to be any good in fact i should say i was pretty sure that this game was going to be like a seven when i when yeah. they first announced it well, and they started to show clips of it and i was like i don't know about this and then i played it and i was like okay this is this is my favorite game until forza came out but yeah this this would have been my game of the year forza hadn't come out yeah i think metroid dread is a very cool success story comeback story for metroid you know but yeah. until e3 this year metroid dread was vaporware yeah, I'm like 2005. Like, yeah. yeah, it was like a, a punchline of, of a joke about yeah. vaporware. So, yeah. So I'm very I'm like that makes it even more incredible that it turned out so, so good. Because, you know, we, you look at other games that were in development, how like Duke Nukem was uh, <laughs> 10 years. And then we finally got it. And boy, that wasn't <laughs> wasn't worth the wait. So, yeah, I'm glad that Metroid Dread is, is a fantastic game. But the problem is. You know, as great as Metroid is, it doesn't exactly set the world on fire. You know, like every you go to Walmart and you look at a bag of Doritos and there's Master Chief uh, looking at you holding a, a snackable <laughs> treat. But there's no, you know, there's no Metroid branding like that. So, well, um, they Nintendo did release a hardware revision this year. The only that, uh, console manufacturer to do that with the OLED model. Which I think they did. People like perfectly well, right? It's just not not like a necessary upgrade if you already have one. No, I upgraded uh, because I have the launch day switch and it has a, like a, a concerning crack in the back of it. <laughs> um, but no, the, the OLED's wonderful. And if you don't have a switch or you do have like the first gen you want to upgrade, I say go for it because that screen is absolutely beautiful and games look so much better. But other than that, I mean, it's not what we were expecting this year to get. We were all expecting the Switch Pro, mm. but uh, yeah. it's hard to get silicone chips made in this year or uh, any year going forward. So they did have a stack of, of uh, OLED displays. And they're like, you know what? Let's meet in the middle. Let's just throw these onto, onto some switches. And it's, it's wonderful. And I recommend picking it up. Oh yeah. And you also get uh, ethernet ports mm -hmm. in the, in the dock. So if you're playing smash, which saw its final DLC mm -hmm. character this year and Sakurai is free of the curse. <laughs> he can go on living his life now. <laughs> Um, Nintendo also expanded its Nintendo Switch Online service with the online expansion pack. A little bit of a, yeah, yeah, a bit you of know. mist there. Yeah. I mean, I signed up for it because I'm part of the problem. Yeah. Um, but it's significantly... Thank you, Jonathan, for agreeing mm -hmm. on the problem. No, I mean, um, me too. I'm, no, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, I think, what, $30 more? So it went from $19.99 a year to $49.99 for the expansion pack, which gives you... Right out of the bat, it gave, uh, right out of the box, it gave you the Animal Crossing DLC, which is great if you have Animal Crossing. But like Damon, I know you don't have Animal Crossing, so you mm -mm. don't care. Mm -mm. And then it gave you Nintendo 64. But uh, it like five minutes after 
it released, everyone who knew about emulation was pointing out how flawed the emulation is, especially in games like uh, like Ocarina of Time. And then you get the Sega Genesis collection, which hasn't really set the world on fire, but actually emulation on that is fantastic. Mm. And uh, I think it's one of the best ways to play uh, Sega Genesis games outside of, you know, an actual Sega Genesis. So, but yeah, well, people were mad. They didn't feel like they got enough. They just released uh, Paper Mario. We've got Banjo-Kazooie coming out next month. Mm-hmm. It still feels like maybe it's not worth uh, the slow trickle of like one game a month for the N64. But <laughs> Well, it's like somebody pointed out if they did uh, one game a month, you know, it's not going to last them very long. There are not that many in- in- Nintendo 64 games. <laughs> that is true. That are worth so, playing. That yeah, so they have at least uh, two and a half years worth of games at one a month, but it's a bummer because they've completely stopped supporting the uh, the NES and the Super NES. Like those, no games have come out for those for quite yeah. a while, and the ones that have, no quality games have come yeah. out for even longer. It's just like garbage Jalico and Data East games <laughs> that you know your little brother rented and your weekend was ruined. <laughs> Um, Ryan, in, in the Switch's launch year, we got both Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, and you gave Mario Odyssey a 10 out of 10. Uh, how would, what's, what's your assessment of uh, the Nintendo Switch's lineup this year? I did not spend a lot of time with my Nintendo Switch this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that there weren't good games, but for me, I'm mostly, even though third-party sports have been so much better for the Switch than the last f- several Nintendo consoles, I mostly play my switch for the first party big you know big pillar stuff mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i did buy an oled because uh, i had a launch day switch and uh my daughter loves yoshi's crafted world and mm-hmm. we we played uh co-op in uh 3d world and bowser's fury together which that was one of my best game experiences of the year so i ended up uh i gave her my launch switch which had uh the left Joy-Con was drifting like crazy, so I just said, "All right, we'll go on. Am- we'll, we'll go on Amazon, pick out whatever color new Joy-Cons you want, mm-hmm. and you're going to get the launch day Switch." And then I've got the OLED for myself. So it was a thinly veiled excuse, uh, admittedly, to, <laughs> to get an OLED. So there are now two Switches in my house. But yeah, I ended up not spending a ton of time overall. Uh, 3D World with Bowser's Fury was definitely the most time I spent with a game uh, this year on the Switch. I did play, I've played some Dread. I, I like it a good bit. I've never been a major Metroid fan. I, I enjoy it, but uh, it's not, it's definitely, I, I think the Scotty Pippen analogy is is very on point from Seth. So yeah, I, you know, we know that the Breath of the Wild sequel, I don't know why we're not calling it two <laughs> from Nintendo, but uh, we know that's coming hopefully next year. But yes, to your point, Damon, about me giving Odyssey a 10, mm-hmm. uh, which I stand by to this day. Oh, sure. I, I stand by know, it as well. Yeah, I want to know what Mario Team is doing because, mm-hmm. and I'm talking, you know, mainline Mario Team. We did go, I believe it was seven years between Sunshine and, and uh, or no, excuse me, yeah. not Sunshine, Galaxy, uh, Galaxy 2 mm-hmm. and, uh, and Odyssey. So we had a huge wait there. All it's already been four years now uh, yeah. since between uh, between games uh, on since Odyssey came out. So I want to know what's mainline Mario team up to. It's EAD, is that right, Seth? That's the team. I believe so. Yeah, I yes. think the commenters they, will quickly correct me if I'm wrong. Oh yeah, sure. and they'll, um, they'll but be yeah, real mad. I want to know what that team is doing. 
it's got to be a Mario game. And I want to know, I mean, I, I would doubt it's Odyssey 2 because I'll bet we would have heard about that and that probably would have been turned around by now, similar to how Galaxy 2 was, was not too long after Galaxy 1. So it's probably going to be a big new idea. I can't wait to find out what it is. And I hope it's not too far away. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, how about you? Uh, what, how do you feel about Nintendo's lineup this year? Um, I, I overall enjoyed it. I, I've been using, I'd say my switch probably about as much as I do any year. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of a a big fan of obviously, you know, Zelda and and Mario, but I do have a, a, a love for, I'd say Nintendo's, I guess, second tier (laughs) series. So, so when things like a Metroid that doesn't have quite as mass appeal comes out, I am super excited and, and to see things like that. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was just more that, uh, you know, to Seth's point, the the strangeness with Nintendo Switch Online continues to puzzle me, especially when it comes to just Nintendo first party game availability on that service. Uh, and the same way Nintendo treats its anniversaries, you know, we got Skyward Sword this year for the Zelda anniversary, but Wind Waker uh, and Twilight Princess continue to be locked. Yes, Seth. Excuse me. All, all right, this little bad boy. All right, but I can't play that on my Switch. Uh, you could glue it to the switch. That's true. I could ruin the system. Uh, you know, to to not see things like that, to not see the uh, Metroid collection uh, that we've all been hoping for, both Prime and the older games, you know, I think a funny thing that I've seen a lot happen this year in the lead-up to Dread was Nintendo would make a big deal about all the older Metroid games, especially Zero Mission, and people are like, well, it would be wonderful if I could play Zero Mission on my Switch. It's a shame. That can't happen. And, you know, so, <clears throat> excuse me, to not see... Zelda and Metroid, I think, get the bigger celebrations that they deserve was was a bit disheartening. But, you know, I, overall, I think it was a very solid year for Nintendo. It didn't have the highs of something like that launch year. But looking ahead, I think it, there's nothing to worry about too much in that regard. So, Seth, Breath of the Wild, <clears throat> one of the best launch games of all time. Many people's yeah. favorite game of all time now. Yeah. How Absolutely. confident are you that we're getting the sequel in 2022? I mean, the, the, the dreamer, the wisher inside of me <laughs> really thinks that we're going to get this in March, but the realist, the realist in me thinks that we probably won't get it until the fall, if not 2023. And then the pessimist in me mm. thinks this will be a launch game for the next uh, Nintendo console. Wow. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm very hopeful. And like, I want, you know, Breath of the Wild is one of my, is t- like top three game of all time for mm-hmm. me so I, I i really want the sequel to it but we we hear so little about it so i don't know I, i'm hoping they can make it happen but we'll see well as of right now it's slated for 2022 so we'll keep it in there that's definitely the biggest game that i think that we of uh, that we know of from nintendo oh, right now yeah we're also Without getting there's the advanced wars remake that yep. was supposed to be out this year got delayed into next year i am super excited for triangle strategy from square enix uh, coming yeah. in january yep that one looks lovely and delightful bayonetta 3 is finally coming i know bayonetta fans have been <laughs> finally waiting for getting bayonetta 3, yes, <laughs> which for a long everyone time. loves to bring up how like exciting and i'm i, I love bayonetta I, I play bayonetta 2 like constantly trying to s you know rank everything and i never do but as excited as i am for bayonetta 3 it's again. It doesn't set the world on fire. It's. Right. it's I'm, I'm just. I'm just going down s- the, the list of games that we know of that are coming next year. There is also Kirby and the Forgotten Land. That's what it's. Yeah. The Forgotten Land, right? The Kirby Last. The of Last Kirby, of Us Kirby. Which, yeah. 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 Really looks awesome. I'm really excited for that. One. The Kirby of Us, which you know, based <laughs> on 
what we know of Kirby's powers. That you know, it tracks. Any of us could be Kirby. That is true. <laughs> um, and there's another one, Chocobo GP. So oh. Jonathan, Gran Turismo Seven should probably be a little worried. And I mean, uh, and Forza Motorsport. Whenever that one's coming out, mm-hmm. too, it's yeah. going to be tough. That's yeah, true. It's true. So Seth, to to wrap everything up, good year for Nintendo, right? Good year for Nintendo. I would give it a, a seven out of ten for Nintendo. A good. Interesting. We should rate. We should. That should be part of our uh, game of the year awards at the end of the year. We should rate the year on the IGN scale. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that about sums up uh, our, our sort of wrap up of uh, each uh, platform, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo for the year 2021. Uh, in my mind, what do you guys think? I think this is a, a solid year for games. Not one of oh, the yeah. best years. Not like a 2007 year for me. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, no, th- those years don't come along very yeah. often. I mean, it's yeah, yeah it's uh, the fact that you the first thing you said was 2007. There really hasn't been a 2007 since 2007. There, <laughs> 2011 we, was really good. Yeah, I mean, that's two, Skyrim and Portal 2. 2004 yeah. and 2007 are kind of, we got mm. the two of them close <laughs> together. I, but I really do think, I mean, in all seriousness, I think 2022 could be that, could be a, that mm. caliber. Because as mm. we talked about, you know, if Breath of the Wild makes it, if Starfield makes it, uh, yeah. Ragnarok oh, makes yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Or it's, uh, um, um, Horizon Forbidden West makes it. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, plus we, that's not even accounting for third party stuff. Those, yeah. are, those are all just that's not even big, like like major Suicide first party Squad things. and Hogwarts yeah. Legacy and yeah. So 2022 yes. could be one of those like magical once in a generation kind of years potentially. Well, it's exciting. Uh, in any case, uh, all of you viewers and listeners out there, thanks for hanging out with us, uh, all the, the various podcast audiences. Do check out the other podcasts if you haven't. Check out uh, Podcast Beyond, Podcast Unlocked, Nintendo Voice Chat, and GameScoop, which is platform agnostic, uh, but really just ends up talking about a lot of retro games most of the time anyway. Uh, we are. I think everyone's going to take a, a week off from podcasts uh, over, over the, the New Year holiday, but then we'll be back in early 2022, because as we as we just established, there are lots of big games we need to talk about next year. So thanks, everybody. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you to Red, working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. Thank you to everyone that listens to and watches our podcast. We do it for you. Uh, that's literally the only reason we do it. Uh, a lot of the big bosses that un- uh, <laughs> around here don't understand why we do podcasts. It's for you. Uh, and with that said, my name is Damon. This is GameScoop and Podcast Beyond and Podcast Unlocked and Engine of Voice Yet, and we're out. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I 
wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.